0: Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new season of No One Told Me, where we believe hindsight is everything. My name is Callie, and if you're new here, every single week, here's what we want to do. We want to ask people who are a little ahead of us, who have maybe gone through some things we haven't gone through yet, we want to say, what do you wish you had known? What do you wish someone would have told you about these seasons? You know, the, you know these seasons, right? Like the ones that you feel alone in, the ones that you think no one else has thought this or felt this where you feel isolated. Those are the seasons we want to talk about because I promise you if there's anything that I have learned in almost three years of doing this podcast, nothing is new. I promise someone has walked through exactly what you are walking through. And so we work really hard every single week to bring those people to the table and say, tell us what you know that we don't. And so this whole summer, we did exactly that we did something called the summer collective. And I got to be with you guys face to face. And I loved it. I mean, I have to like sound out the word loved because that's how passionately I felt about being face-to-face with you guys. It was just this community that we started building over two months this summer, and it felt so right. But what we did was we said, hey, we are women in pursuit of the more Jesus has for us. So what would it look like to gather together and say, we all know we bring something different to the table. We all know we have unique callings and unique giftings. So how do we step into those? How do we lay aside the obstacles and the barriers and the insecurities? And how do we keep going forward? And so every single week this summer, we talked about a different obstacle to the more Jesus is calling you into right now. And I couldn't just keep it with us. So here's what we did we recorded them all and we're going to play them back over the next few days and weeks here on No One Told Me so that everyone can get a piece of this goodness. Now, this first one, this was our kickoff one. And guys, listening back to all these. I just why didn't anyone tell me how fast I talk? Also how loud I can get I just I need this I need this kind of feedback in my life because I'm learning it as I listen back and it's painful you know when you like leave a voicemail or you have to listen to your own voicemail and you're like oh gosh you know like you just want to back out of it that was me listening and editing all of these but hey as you listen to these, if anything stands out, I would be so grateful if you tagged us on social media at podcast on Instagram. I love hearing your alls feedback. I think that's why I loved being face to face with you all so much because it just felt good knowing that you felt seen because that's our desire here more than anything else is to make sure you know, we see you, we understand, and we're walking with you through it so up first you will hear a little bit from me and our vision for what we were trying to do this summer and continuing on into the fall and then every week what I would do is bring three two to three people in that I knew could speak into this topic that I knew had some wisdom to speak into that week's topic and I would ask you guys for questions you all would submit them on social media and I would ask them on these Wednesday nights so tonight you're going to hear from my mom one of the people, if not the person who shaped me the most, you're going to hear from Genevieve, who is a truth teller. Genevieve and Liz, who are both on this particular night, they're both some of the biggest truth tellers I've ever had in my life. Like no holds bar. This is what it is. The facts are the facts, right? Like I like to sandwich things in between. Like Here's something nice. Okay, here's a truth. Here's something nice. They're just, hey, you need to hear this. You need to know this. I love you. That's it, right? So they say some great things about your purpose and you're calling, because I think we're all afraid we're going to miss it, right? And we have this restlessness and this stirring that Jesus is calling us into something, and we're like, hey, I want that. Well, that's what we talk about on this particular night at the Summer Collective. I hope you love it. Okay, guys, I've got my notes because my memory isn't what it used to be, which is great for my marriage and unfortunate for my children's lunches. But I do think a lot of you are feeling maybe restless is the best way to describe it. And the only reason I use that word is because I, in January, came across a book that I had been meaning to read for years. It is an older book that's been around a long time. It's called Restless by Jenny Allen. And when I say that this book has done a work on my heart, I am not, I promise I'm not overselling. This book is so good. And as she described what restlessness was, I was like, that's me. Right, So let me tell you what my nights looked like, and let's see if you can kind of find yourself in it. So I would start this process of going to bed, which is like a 32-step skincare routine, because as you get older, the process gets longer. Okay? It's just what happens. And so I go through this whole process, and then I, I walk over to bed. Ryan has passed out an hour before, you know, because he just can't hang until 9 p.m. like I can. Right? I'm wild. So I go and lay down, and I'm just staring, I'm staring at the ceiling, and I feel like something is unfinished. I feel like there's something I didn't remember to do, or there was something more I was supposed to take care of that day. And so I go through a mental checklist in my head, and I think of everything that I did do. Okay, I picked the kids up here, dropped them off here, ran to the grocery store, did that, turned that in, we're good. Think of some things that I was supposed to do tomorrow, send, my, send myself an email to remember that. And then I still lay there and think, what was it? So then, you know, I wake up Ryan, and I'm like, hey, did you lock all the doors? Because maybe... You know, a serial killer's trying to get in, and that's what's making me upset, right? Like, maybe that's why I'm uncomfortable. And again, I just lay there, and it would be 20 to 30 minutes every single night until one night I was laying there and I realized what I've been missing wasn't necessarily something to do. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know who I was becoming. And I realized I had this ache for an intentional life. I want it to be about something more than waking up, you know, getting... I love getting my kids ready, I love doing all of that, I love sending them to school, I love my job, I love all of this, but I just felt like there was more that I was missing. And one of the first lines of this book said, what if you wanna change diapers and change the world? Like, what if you're called to a few different things? You know, what if you're called to work and, and you love that you work, but you kinda of wanna do a little something on the side, but you don't know what it is? What if you're called to be a mother but you also want to build a community of people that you can invest into. Like, what if there's more than one thing that you're called to? What, is it, what does it look like? And I wanted that kind of intentionality. I wanted to lay down at night and know that I had done some kingdom work. I, I wanted to know that I was doing what he had designed me to do. And so I started praying, and I wanted him to tell me what he wanted me to do. And so I did these really specific, these passionate, laying it all out there prayers, and I was asking all the questions that I wanted answers to. And I thought that because what he was doing was not obvious, it wasn't tangible, it wasn't actionable, that he wasn't working. And the problem was that I wanted him to fill in my specified blanks, right? Like, okay, so here's, here's what I want you to do, so do it. I think I should be able to go do this and I want this opportunity, so you just, God, you take that, you go ahead, and direct my story where I'm the main character. Make it about me. But what he was doing is he was inviting me into the story that he had already been writing. And I think that's what's happening for a lot of you. That God's answer to your prayer, his provision, it may not always look exactly like you've envisioned it, but he's working on who you are, and that's way more important than what you do or will do in the future. And how he chooses to meet you where you are, it may look less like a new job offer, and more like teaching you the skills you need in the job that you're at for a job that's not even on the table yet. His provision may look more like you don't wake up and your marriage is completely healed, but you wake up every day and there are these small shifts in attitudes and spirits. You know, his, his provision, it might not look like an immediate removal of the pain that you're sitting in right now, but it looks like people showing up who love you and care about you And want to spend time with you we don't see his faithfulness because it doesn't always fit our expectations i think maybe we don't see his provision because we expected it to be in the form of someone clearly telling us what we should do how to escape this restlessness i am very good at giving advice i don't always give good advice But I'm good at giving advice. If you have a problem, I will come up with 14 solutions to your problem. Now, are they anything you should actually do? I don't know. But listen, we're gonna, we're gonna solve the problem if you have one. And I think we get to the point where we expect everyone else to be the voice of God in our lives. And I have to pause here and say, and this is to me, that no one person on this earth right now can tell you definitively and specifically what it is God wants to accomplish in you and through you. But what I can say without hesitation and without doubt and with full confidence that he is calling you to something. But the first conversation you have to have is with him. Defining that does not happen with your mom. Although I wish it did because I want her to tell me or your best friend or the person you work with that you think is very wise. They cannot tell you with the, the specificness and the uniqueness and the definitiveness that God can tell you what you are made for. Now, you will have people who are placed in your life that can affirm it and that can speak that truth into you. And I, I want to tell you what your calling is and what your more is, but I can't do that. And that might be disappointing for some of you. It was disappointing for me when no one was telling me what I wanted them to tell me. But what I am here for and what we're here for all summer long, it's to create this space for you to start the hard work. We're here to equip you, to help you battle everything that's clouding your view and ask God to lead us into becoming more like Jesus. Ephesians tells us that God is able to do more than we think or imagine through his power in us. We wanna wanna focus in on the part that he can do more than we think or imagine, right? But the second part says through his power in us. So if you're a follower of Jesus and you're aching for more, It's because of his power. It's because of the Holy Spirit at work in you right now. Look at how the message says, Ephesians 3.20. It says, God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. So if you want to know your calling or the direction that God has for your life, let's start here knowing that your more will not be achieved by you. It will be achieved by God's power at work in you. And honestly, that should relieve a whole lot of pressure. For all my Enneagram threes in the house, you can take a breath, like take a second, because it is not through you that this is going to happen. It is only at work when God is at work in you. And where we start, I'm going to tell you this next part. I don't think it's going to satisfy you, because it did not satisfy me. Because none of us do this willingly or with any excitement. It's surrender. That's how God's power works best in us. And I'm going to tell you all the truth. I Googled words for surrender because I was like, I don't want to use that word, right? No one loves how that sounds, but it's the most simple of things that you're not starting with yourself. You're choosing to start with him. And I think it makes so much sense that Jesus works this way, that he would have us give up everything so that we can receive the more that he has for us. And I'm gonna speak really personally here for just a second. There's freedom to be found in surrender. And I know this freedom so well now, but it took me too long to get there. And I don't want that for you. You know, I wrote this down and I shared it with a friend and she was like, you're not telling us though why this was freedom for you. You're not telling us the real reason why you found so much freedom. And the at the root, at my core, I am a people pleaser. And I know you hear that and you're like, oh, me too, or whatever. But I spend a lot of time thinking about what people are thinking about, right? Like right now, I'm like, are they happy? Are they sad? Do they need to go to the bathroom? Do they like their coffee? Do they want to leave? Are they depressed? Are they impressed? What are they like? These are real time thoughts that are coming through my mind because I am so concerned what people are thinking. But we say people pleasing and we're like, it's this badge of honor, But it's not because at its core people pleasing is putting god's call second to everyone else's thoughts it's saying god that's good but let me see what they think about it before i step into anything you have called me to do and that is sin friends that is not the life that god has called us to live he says here's what i want from you and we say but let me see what they think it is a waste of who you are and what he wants to do in you and so this book that i've been reading it asked you to identify moments of suffering from your past. Moments that shaped who you are now and how those feed into what you're passionate about. And so I wrote down my moments of suffering. And it was a very sad night in my bed by myself. Like, well, this happened, and then this happened, and this was real sad, and I hated this. And here's what I saw. I learned that I am really passionate about people feeling seen and understood and valued. And every point I wrote down revolved around second-guessing myself or feeling ignored or feeling misunderstood and can I tell you I came to the root of my people pleasing I came to the root of why it's so important to me what other people think I just wanted to be seen without feeling like I had to earn the right to be seen and I was treating my relationship with God this way too I thought I had to earn the right to his faithfulness I thought I had to earn the right to his response. I thought I had to earn the right for him to see me. And the truth is, is that he saw me before the foundations of the earth. He saw me before. He sees me now. And he will see me a thousand years from today. He sees me. I just didn't see that. And because it wasn't until I surrendered this habit of placing God's call second to people's thought. I wasn't having any sort of realization what his call was or what that more was in me. But the moment that I got on my knees and laid this down is the moment he started working something new in me. I want women to feel seen without having to earn the right to be seen. I want to create spaces for women to feel understood, to experience growth for the sake of growth and nothing else. Not to prove anything or gain anything. And so I started this hard work. The surrender, I laid the motives of my heart down, the fear of rejection, the uncertainty of saying I wanted it, and the anxiousness of saying it out loud to anyone. I laid it down at the feet of Jesus. The compliments and the criticism, I couldn't live by either one. And that's freedom. That's release. That is provision. Knowing that neither one matters. Neither one is going to define my life. The very shaping of what we're meant to do happens in the presence of God. To put it plainly, if there's one thing I want you to leave with tonight, to know you're more, you need more of his presence. And that doesn't look like opening an app and reading an inspirational quote, right? That doesn't look like showing up and hearing a verse, and you're like, that is a good verse. It means taking truth and applying it into your life. It means creating time in your day to sit at the feet of Jesus and say, here's what I'm reading, here's what I'm trying to understand, Jesus, what do you know about it? What can you tell me about it? What do you want me to know about it? Pursuing God's presence has to become this priority. And I had to start some intentional disciplines because I was in pursuit of more. So for me, this meant adjusting what my day looked like. This is where we're gonna get a little practical. And honestly, it pains me to set my alarm for 5.15. Like, I will sit there and calculate the amount of hours I will get of sleep. And then I'll do it again because I can't do math. And so I'm like, oh, I'll get eight hours. No, I'll get four. And so I had to adjust what I did in the morning. So I set my alarm for 5.15 because I've learned this with age. The later in the day that it gets, the more people want to get to you. So whether it's getting kids up and out, work, calls, emails, errands, days will spin out of control so fast. And so you have to control what you can when you can. And that's the earliest part of the morning for me. Because if you're, let me tell you something. If you call me at 515, you better be bleeding or birthing a baby. Like those are the only two things I'm going to care about at 515 if you call me, right? It's this time of day that I know no one else needs me. And so it's this time of day that I enter into his presence. It's this sacred time, this set apart time that I enter into with the full expectation that Jesus is going to be there too. And this is where my more is shaped and affirmed over and over I laid my dreams out in front of him asking him to check the motives of my heart and remove whatever was not planted by him and on my knees in my living room in the quiet of my home i first spoke out loud this desire for the whim of our city to gather i didn't know how or when or where he provided one step at a time when i released this and like put a sign up out there i was ready for 20 people to sign up i was like 15 20 we'll head to my backyard, we'll sweat a lot, there'll be mosquitoes, but you know, all in the name of Jesus, right? Like we'll be fine, we'll make it. But then more and more people kept signing up. And I thought, oh no, we're not gonna fit in the backyard. And then Ryan, who is ever so practical, my husband, was like, where are they all gonna park? And I was like, I don't need that right now. I don't, don't speak that over me right now. And so I started praying. I was like, God, I don't, you, I know you asked me to do this and I don't know where to take these people. And every day he was like, just do something. Just do something. Small decisions in one direction of obedience. So I started emailing and emailing. And either people were not responding to me or they were like astronomical $500 for an hour, please. And I'm like, who do you think I am? I can't do $500 for an hour. And then one of my friends mentioned Vienna. And I was like, no, they don't do stuff like this. They don't, it's after hours, it's in the summer. This cannot be a thing. So I emailed them at 30 one night, and at 6 a.m., I woke up to an email from the founder that said, hey, this is exactly why we opened this location, and we'd love to host you. See, God's provision did not look like what I envisioned. It was not what I expected him to do, but he was still doing something. I believe when he shapes the more in you, when you surrender all you think it is or want it to be in confidence that he's capable to develop his more, and that it's better than what you've envisioned. I believe that we will see a people and we will see a city changed. But there are some red flags. Like maybe you're sitting here right now and you're thinking, "What? what's my more? What can my more be? And I think there is always a risk. When you choose to lean into surrender, I think there is a risk at wanting to get out of it too quickly. Because it's not fun. I mean, I'll be honest with you. It's not like the most fun thing you're ever gonna do, right? But it's fruitful and it's growth. And so there are some red flags that maybe, maybe you are trying to leave this vulnerability and this discomfort too fast, too quickly. You're trying to escape it because that's exactly what happened to David in 2 Samuel. So David is a guy that a lot of you have heard of, right? He's described as a man after God's own heart. He's the chosen king of Israel. You'll see his name often paired with another name, and that's Bathsheba. See, David was riding high. He was feeling good. He was conquering people. He was like, I am the king. You are my servants. I don't know who you are, but that's fine. I'm king. It doesn't matter. And he was securing his throne, but he wanted more. And the more he was in pursuit of was dangerous. It wasn't what would satisfy him. It was what would distract him. Because there's a fine line between the more Jesus wants for you and the more you want for yourself. So we're going to look at some red flags that may be you're pursuing the wrong war. Second Samuel 11.1, one, it says, In the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. So David stayed behind. Instead of doing what was expected of him, instead of doing what he was responsible for, he made the decision to isolate himself. Any type of more that is pursued in isolation, in separation from people who love you and love Jesus, that is not the more made for you. If you have to work towards your more in secret and you don't want really anyone to know, not because you have to focus, but because you're afraid what they might say about it, that more is not from Jesus. And I promise you, it's not for you. The story goes on, 2 Samuel 11, 2 through 4. Late one afternoon after his midday rest, David got out of bed and he was walking on the roof of the palace. And as he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. And he sent someone to find out who she was. And he was told she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. And then David sent messengers to get her. And when she came to the palace, he slept with her. See, David was told the truth of who Bathsheba was. There were clear boundaries. There was not a lack of communication or clarity. She was married to another man, and yet, David ignored truth. He ignored any conviction or doubt, and he focused only on the immediate. He focused only on the now. And if you are pursuing your more in spite of truth, it's not for you. If you have to budge or cut corners, that more that you think you want, it is not for you. You know, I think we believe that our creator stops creating. Like, I think we think we get to a certain point. he's like, "Ah, oh, she's good. You know, I got her this far. She's good to go. And to a degree, we think his faithfulness has run out or we think there's not more for us unless we get it for ourselves. But I just want to remind you, he is a God of faithfulness and provision who makes a way when you don't see it every single time. So don't ignore the truth you know for the sake of now. And before you think, ah, that's not me. This can look like seeing what someone else is doing, seeing their giftedness or their success and wanting it to be yours. That's what social media does to us. I believe we hop on and we scroll and we're all right for a second, but then we see someone's engaged. We see someone's having a baby we see someone got a new house. We see someone got a raise. We see someone speaking at something that we wish we were speaking at. And so we think that should be us. And so we ignore what we know about ourselves. We ignore what we know about Jesus. And we take whatever we can get. Because right now that's what we want. And I just have to ask you. Do you think Jesus wants a take whatever you can get life for you? Do you think that's why he looks and at you and says, ah, eh, they'll get what they get. That is not his story for you. Second, Samuel goes on, 11, 5 through 7. Later, when Bathsheba discovered that she was pregnant, she sent David a message saying, hey, I'm pregnant. It's like a show of Mori. Like, yeah, hey, you're the dad. Uh, and then David sent word to Joab. Send me Uriah the Hittite. So Joab sent him to David. And when Uriah arrived, David asked him how Joab and the army were getting along, how the war was progressing. Do you feel him stalling here? Like, he is asking Uriah questions that he already knows the answer to, right? He's like, hey, let me check in real quick. How's it going out there? I could have asked Joab, who I literally just talked to, but I'm going to ask you, how are you doing out there? You know, like spears, are they, are they hitting what you want them to hit? Is your helmet tight? Like, is every, is everything good? If you have to stall or avoid sharing what your more is because of any sense of shame, it is not for you. And shame is different from fear. These two things can get confused. Shame comes from a failure. Fear comes from what if I fail? And if you can't claim what your more is, what your calling is with any sort of confidence, it's not for you because that confidence, it comes from Jesus. And I'm not saying you sit on a mountaintop and you're like, all right, is what I'm doing guys. Come on in, everyone. Come along. This is what we're doing. I'm saying, if you can't even tell your best friend who knows you and knows Jesus what you're doing, I think we need to look again at what you're trying to pursue. The story goes on, 2 Samuel 11, 8 through 9. And then he told Uriah, go home, relax. David sent a gift to him after he had left the palace, but Uriah did not go home. He slept that night at the palace entrance with the king's palace guard Now we see David's guilt coming out here, right? He's like, go, relax, take care of yourself. Also, here's a present. It's bath bombs for your bath on your rooftop. Don't ask me how I know you have one, but just please enjoy. If you're trying to erase your guilt through anything other than confession, through anything other than Jesus, I am so sorry. This is what happened. Please forgive me, make my heart like yours. If you are trying to compensate for the more you're pursuing by doing good things everywhere else, It's not for you. The story ends, when David heard that Uriah had gone home, he summoned him and asked, what's the matter? Why didn't you go home last night? His panic, it's building. Uriah said, the ark and the armies of Israel and Judah, they're living in tents. Joab and, and the rest of the men, they're camping in fields. How can I go home and wine and dine and sleep with my wife? I swear that I would never do such a thing. David's feeling a little awkward now, isn't he? He says, well, okay, I'll stay here today. You stay here and tomorrow you may return to the army. He then tried to get Uriah drunk and see if then he could get Uriah to go home to his wife. And again, Uriah slept at the palace entrance. David is doing all he can to manipulate the situation. This one hits hardest for me. Because when something is not going the way I want, if I'm in pursuit of what I think God has called me to do, and it's not quite unfolding the way I wanted to, you know what I do? I grab onto that control of it. And I'm like, well, if I just like position myself here, if I orchestrate this circumstance here... If I ask this here, maybe I'll get what what I'm after. Maybe I'll get what I want. If you're pursuing your more and it requires a careful orchestration and manipulation and positioning as daily activities that leave you thinking, should I have done that, said that, assigned that intention to that action, that more is not for you. David would end up arranging your eye's death. He would send him back to the battlefield with a note to Joab that says, put him in the front. And your eye would get killed and David would marry Bathsheba, and it's a lot of small decisions in one direction that would change his life and the life of his entire family. And that's why we start with surrender, because more is too easily defined by a world of well-meaning people and quotes on Instagram. It's not a surprise that the leading sales in books are self-help books, and that's because we are a world of restless people. But we have to start with Jesus. Not with what we want, but with the giver of all good things. Hebrews 12, 2, it says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. And if you want to know what faith is, we'll back up to Hebrews 11:1. It says, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So you may not see your more now, but those two verses declare a truth that we have to start with. Jesus is the author and perfecter of our more. He is the confidence in what you hope for. He is the assurance in what you don't see yet. And he has put eternity in your heart. And he has stirred you to use the gifts only you can use to point those in your life toward the more that they are in pursuit of that they don't know what it is yet. Everything God invites you into is significant. What will our city, your city, look like if we all set about what we are meant to be about? If we all said, I know there is more for me in this kingdom work And I'm going to claim it right now. And I'm going to say I want it. And then I'm going to start every morning on my knees at the feet of Jesus, asking him to provide enough for me for that day. Enough for me in the doubt and uncertainty and anxiety and insecurity. I will look for his provision and I will use that to keep my feet moving. I won't shrink back. I won't tamp down my dreams. I won't let the enemy in to tell me this is not for you to do. I will claim that God can do more than I can think or imagine because he's working in me. His spirit is working in me right now. It's working in you right now. And everyone's more won't be launching a business, launching a ministry, a podcast. Maybe it's adoption. Maybe it's creating a home your neighbors love to be in or investing in the families around the kids your kids love to hang out with. Maybe it's making yourself available to people who are coming up behind you. Maybe your more is found in pursuing a mentor, someone who's ahead of you. Maybe your more is in being an encourager, the one people gravitate to because you speak with wisdom and honesty. It's gonna look different, but remember that what you do is not as important as who you are becoming, and our work is just getting started. It's this work that will send us to bed every night thinking about the glory that we have gotten to bring to Jesus, the kingdom he's using us to build. And over the next few weeks, I have invited women that I love and respect who have shaped the more in me. And they're going to speak a whole lot of truth into your life too about topics that I believe are keeping us from our more, the lies that keep us living in less. And that is not the life Jesus has for you. So we're going to define and pursue the rest. And I hope you will keep showing up and doing the work because I promise you, it is so much easier together. Jesus, thank you for the eternity that's planted in our hearts. Thank you that because you have known us before time began, that you have already shaped who we are and who you want us to be, that you will continue to use us when we come to you and surrender. When we say we don't know what it looks like to do more, Jesus, but we know... We want to do it, and we want to do it with you in the lead. And I'm going to be a part of bringing glory to Jesus and making him known and showing him trustworthy. Thank you for who you are, Lord. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Amen. Okay, you know what we're going to do now? We're going to chat for a second with some of my favorite people. So I'm going to ask my friends Genevieve and Liz and the queen herself, my mom, Carol to make their way up here i love that you all left the seat closest to me to be my mom i needed that so every week on instagram i'm going to post a box and i'm going to tell you what the topic is and i'm going to say hey where are you stuck on this what do you want to know more about this topic where do you need a little bit of truth spoken into you and then i'm going to ask my friends the people who have poured into me i'm going to ask them what they think about it and let them share from experience carol my mom who is the one who has shaped me the most in my life, who I called on Monday and was like, hey, mom, I'm quitting. And she was like, that's from the pit. That's her favorite phrase. <laughs> when I, Whenever I say something that that is doubtful or unsure, she says, Callie, that's from the pit. Move on. So mom, I know that there was a speci- specific question that I knew was just for you. So go ahead and share what that was and then kind of your thoughts on it.
1: You're going to be very impressed I actually wrote it down so I wouldn't forget.
0: I knew you'd come up here with your like 10-pound Bible and whip it open with your words of, of wisdom.
1: The question that Callie gave me was how do you tell the difference between what God wants for you and your own voice? And how many times have we struggled with knowing that very question and the answer to it. When we're struggling to know God's voice and what He wants for us, it will never, ever contradict Scripture. And so as you begin to expound on what Callie has talked about tonight, what your more is, I would encourage you to filter it through Scripture. And the other part of that, if the voice in your head is yours or a a friend and it's contradicting scripture. It's not from God. It's definitely our own voice that we're listening to. The other point that I would like to leave you all with is God's voice will always be God-centered. When we start listening to our own voice, it's going to be self-centered and self-serving and it's god's voice that will lead us to glorify him and so that's a, another really good filter to have in place as you start to work through and un- hearing in god's voice and what it is that he has for you callie alluded to this not alluded to it she just stated it so, so i'm, I'm going not to very of- subtle carol ever <laughs> uh- Ever. so I'm going to kind of repeat it. The more time that we spend uh, with Jesus the more we're going to know his voice and it will be very clear there will be no questions about it and I'm just going to tell you all from experience sometimes you're not going to get it right and when you don't get it right don't beat yourself up it's okay because you know what Jesus will redeem it and as Last night as I was thinking about this and just thinking how to wrap up what I wanted to say, a passage of Scripture came to me, and it's 1 Kings 19, and it's about Elijah. And Jezebel was hot on his heels because she had promised to kill him. And he landed at Mount Sinai, and God said to him, go out and stand before me on the mountain. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire get ready after the fire there was the sound of a gentle whisper and as I was thinking about that what do we do when we hear a whisper we stop we get still we lean in and we focus so that we can hear and so i would challenge you all as you begin to explore what your more is that you search that whisper out and lean into it mom have you ever uh, did you have
0: a moment where you weren't sure where you thought i don't
1: know if i'm hearing a voice in my head or i'm hearing a call from god because that's what it comes down to. Well, that's true. I was just thinking about how loud all these things are that he witnessed there. The wind is loud and the earthquake was loud and and the fire and, it's looking for God in, in the quietness and not as a lifeline and calling your best friend, but in being in scripture and finding the answers. And I think that there's godly wisdom from godly friends that definitely will start pointing you in the right direction, but it's, it never stops you know I not encouraging the, Carol I, come on <laughs> But we'd like get there and be like alright I'm clear on what God's voice sounds like well I, I will share something most recently I have worked where I've worked since she was in the womb and very specific the, Carol graphic Thank yes well a visual visual <laughs> I'm a visual person you know but I love my job I love what I do I love the people that I work for and over the years Callie's 30 something and uh, it's
0: (laughs) that 32 step skincare routine you can't tell can you
1: and our office has grown and the, the doctors that I work for were creating a new position and I wasn't interested but everybody by default of me being there the longest and you know having all this stuff in my head that that job should be me it it should be my job but i wasn't the least bit interested and so one morning i was just praying i wasn't even praying about that but very distinctly god said i want you to pursue this literally i was like no, I don't wanna do this, (laughs) I don't want that job. But that was earlier this year. But what I've learned, it wasn't about that job. It was about me being in surrender and going through that process for what he wanted me to do. That's what I've come to realize is that as that has kind of been out there, I have been pursuing him more Is this really what you want for me? You're not going to get an answer tonight. Well, you might. But, you know, it's staying with it and and continuing to lean into what that more is for you.
0: I love it. That's good stuff. Genevieve, I sat across the table from her several times over the past six to eight months. And I have said, Jen, I feel like I got to do something. Like, I've got this stirring here. She was one of the first people I shared the stream with. And she was like, why aren't you, why aren't you doing it? Why aren't you, what's stopping you? And she was so consistent in my life with text messages with her, her love language is voice text. So Anybody I get these, else? like voice. If you haven't done
2: it, it's like a dream come true. You can do it while you're driving. Oh, you yeah. get to hear people's personality. It was a good
0: time. It was, she sent me one today. It's like an
2: adjustment period though. Cause yes. you don't have to say period. Do you know um, what I mean? Like yes. when you're. So, like, the voice text
0: is like, period. Yeah, Yeah, I got you. I got you. Like, today, I'm not, and you won't care because you don't get embarrassed. She literally burped on the voice text and then explained to me why she was burping. And I was like, Jen, let's just get to what you're trying to tell me. Like, let's do that. Jen has so much just of this soft wisdom, and you'll know exactly what I taught, what I'm saying when you hear from her here in a second. But, Jen, tackle this one. Tell me, what did I ask you? Tackle this one. I don't know what my segue is here because I don't remember the question. So.
2: Okay, the question you gave me was How did you find the more Jesus was calling you to? When or how did you know what your calling was? Mm-hmm. Right. And in true... It's a
0: good one. That's a good one. I don't know who asked it. It's
2: a good one. It was a good one. And in in true gin fashion, I was just like, oh, I got to make this simpler. You know what I mean? Like, I got to make this simpler. And so today I I was was voice texting Callie and I was talking about, can I just, can we just like break it down to like, what is our calling? You know what I mean? Like, what is our calling? And the Lord has brought me into this cool place where he gave me two words, which I'm sure some of you might be familiar with, but like uh, a calling and then an assignment. Right. And so our calling, I'm just going to read to you from the word Matthew 28. It says, then Jesus came to them and he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Surely I am with you always to the very end. Right? So that's like for all of us, you know, whether you feel like you have the gift of evangelism or you have the gift of anything, like everyone who surrenders their life to Jesus, he said, all authority in heaven is given to me. I give to you to do this. Teach people about me and teach them to obey my commands. Okay, moving on. So then in Mark 12, he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these, right? So he says, go teach people this. And he's like, teach people this. This is how we are to live. And so when Callie asked me about calling, I'm just like, I think sometimes I I hear people talk about, I don't know what my calling is. I I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know what these things are. And And if you've surrendered your life to Jesus, if you said, dude, you're my leader, I'm gonna follow you, then he makes it really clear, like, go teach people about me, love them, like, love me, because only from receiving my love, like in this relationship, can you love anyone around you? And then just like, go do that with your whole life, right? And so then, after we've been like, this is my calling, all of us have the same why you get into this thing called assignment right and so you get into this thing called assignment and that looks different for everybody and so i kind of took Callie's question and really was like how did you know what your calling was and i was like how did i know what my assignment was and i, I just i think it changes you know what i mean mm-hmm. i think it changes in different seasons and i think it changes because really the whole part of an assignment is to fulfill the purpose of your calling you know what i mean mm-hmm. and so you know for some of us it I don't know. We were all probably 20 at some point. Yeah, we were. So when you're 20, it might be, you know, I'm in college or I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing or I'm applying for a job or like I was a nanny for a season, you know, and I was like, what the heck am I doing? You know, but then, you know, God is so kind in your assignments. If you're willing to say, how are you using me right now? He shows you, you know, and he brought me to this newfound appreciation as a nanny that I was like, do you know what I get to do? And you become your own personal hype person as the (laughs) Lord speaks to you. And you're like, I'm actually serving this family and I'm actually allowing these parents uh, to step into their assignment. You know what I mean, and so their assignment as parent, I get to come alongside them and serve them during the day, so they can then go on and fulfill another assignment for them, right? But you just like in different seasons, you come into into different assignments, and I think where we get it, I don't know, a little off, is we forget that that God in advance prepared these assignments for us, right? That He really brought me to uh, this newfound appreciation for Him in Ephesians two. It hey. says, "For we are His workmanship." his own master work, his own work, created in Christ Jesus, right? Reborn from above, spiritually reborn humans, ready to be used, okay, for good works, which God prepared for us beforehand, taking paths he set, right? He prepared these works and prepared the ways that we would do these works because he's amazing like that. And then so that we would walk in them, living the life he prepared for us that he arranged and made ready for us. And so I just imagine that, you know, like if we could go to a place, I'm a really like vision, like in my mind, image type person. But if I could go to this place, I imagine that God is sitting here and he crafted me and we're like sitting around this table of all these people. And you talked about like comparison on social media, but you sit around this table. So imagine we're all sitting around this table and God is sitting here and he's like, all right, what's your name? Sierra. Sierra hey, girl, this is what I got for you. This is what I want you to do today. This is what I have for you. I bless you to go and do that, okay? I'm not sitting here being like, oh, my God, Sierra. Like, she got a really good job. Do you know what I mean? And No, 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 no. Because then he's like, what's your name? Lexi, hey Lexi girl, this is what I have for you today. This is what I'm blessing you to do. This is what I'm empowering you to do. This is what I created you to do. Go do it, right? Uh, And it's going to be different for all of us. And instead of like looking to compete for each other, I go back to this image of like my creator, the one who created uh, my innermost thoughts being like all of these things in me, chose good works for me to be a part of in advance. And then he said, I bless you to go do those. And it kind of takes the comparison across, across, it takes a remove from, from this thing. And I don't know, the, the last thing, as I was thinking about just calling in assignments, I was just thinking about how uh the world has fed us all these lies that they have to be really grand things. And even mm-hmm. as we were talking, like this is massive. Could you imagine if, you know, even twelve, right? We joked about the twelve, but like yep. I mean Jesus had twelve and like it was totally enough. And for he him. was good to yeah, go. It was totally yeah. fine. Um, but I don't know how many people are in this room, but could you imagine what Knoxville would be like if we were all like, hey, I'm like in it for my calling. Like I just agree about what you said in your word was true, and I'm stepping into that. And then we said, Okay, cool, I'm ready for my assignment today. You know, and some assignments mm-hmm for seasons, right? Parenthood, it's mm-hmm. <laughs> like a season thing. It's not like a day thing. Um, it's like a thing you get to do every day. It's your assignment for a season, you know? And I love the part that in even in assignments, you can have multiple, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? In this season, what he's birthing in me I felt a little counterculture to what was cool, Right. And so the dream, the assignment I believe he's given me is on my street. I really believe uh, that in this season last year, I was supposed to go to India with a team and lead a team to go to India to partner with our missionaries there. And we were going to go into unreached people groups and share the gospel. So I don't know. If, have anybody all been on a mission trip? Anybody gone anywhere? you like prepared to do that. Right. And man, was I wholly convicted as I was like preparing to share the gospel and like memorizing these stories to like walk women and and men through what they've never heard. But like I was not preparing to do that in my own neighborhood. Okay, so we're supposed to go in March and, you know, everything happened in March and like we obviously didn't go to India and probably won't be going for a while. But he like, I don't know, he birthed this thing in me of that's available to me here that's available to me here. And I was like, I'm in for this. And I, we just started, my husband Ryan and I and our sweet little son Cohen, but we just started rearranging our day where we were just present outside in the front of our lawn and then he gave us this dream to throw a block party and I just put invitations in everyone's mailbox for four streets and did it and I think 20 people showed up but now I'm friends with 20 people in my neighborhood which I think not to brag but I think it's more than some other people do in their entire 20 years in neighborhoods okay so like for one event I was pretty happy with it okay and then and then that was like a little bit a lot because just like financially wise like feeding all those people all the time I was like okay Lord, what do you have for me again segue to community I have this friend called Katie Bybee she started doing food trucks in her neighborhood and so food trucks come to her neighborhood and so Ryan and I were like what a great idea and so we made a calendar for the summer and we're just gonna invite people to come out and eat food with us in our neighborhood and something in that almost feels embarrassing to be like what do you feel like your assignment is right now and I, I, I really feel like it's just to bring food trucks to my street and for some people that might be like "What the well, this is not really an assignment and I'm like I really believe he told me uh, to go and teach people about him and in this season I don't know why but that's what it looks like you know and it's not grand you know it's not something like priscilla shire or like like doing all of these crazy things or writing books which are all amazing assignments but if i was like i'm jealous about that i'm jealous about that he'd be like oh, I, you've worked to do in kingston hills mm-hmm. and i really want to work you I, I i favor to pour out on you right here if you would just say yes to doing this and i'm like Mm -hmm. Yes. But I had to come to a season where I was just like, I'm okay to just do what you have in front of me, knowing that that's like really insane, wonderful work Mm. right here. Mm. I don't know. Calling assignment. I mean, yeah, I I love the
0: differentiation between the two. I think that brings so much clarity to what's going on, like the broad stroke and then let's get specific. And I think it also speaks to the small decisions in one direction. The summation of that. If you think about it in the terms of eternity and the eternities that you are potentially impacting, yeah. just by showing up for people, just by saying, again, because community doesn't happen, Mm-mm. I think that you have to pursue. You know, you're trusting God and you're like, hey, this is what you've assigned me to do. So I'm going to go knock on their door and be like, hey, do you want some treats? Yeah. I don't know if you do it that creepily, but because I don't know that anybody would show up for that. But. Probably for sure started that way. <laughs> if you had cake, I would be like, yes, absolutely. I don't know who you are, but you're giving me cake, so I'm there. But I, I think that differentiation is so important. And again, it's a hard and a holy work yeah. to get there and to figure it out. But you can and you will. Yeah. And so Liz, Come on, bro. let me tell you a little something about Liz. Liz is that kind of honest But that doesn't tear you to the ground, honest. Do you know what I'm saying? I sent two people what I shared with you tonight, and I was like, "Tell me what I need to do." This girl, she cut out three pages of stuff. (laughs) And I was like, "Thank you," because it was already too long. So, Liz, give us give us what you got. Again, got no segue. Don't know what the question was. I'm excited to hear what it was. Okay, I got a couple. Okay, so I I'll tell you the questions that I got, and then I'll tell you the answers.
3: They don't necessarily like jen i kind of made up my own question from the question that you gave so the questions that i got were what if i never find my calling what if i don't know what my calling is or have any idea what it is can i miss my calling and are there consequences if i don't pursue my calling and i think that callie carol and jen have touched on answers to all of these and so i'm going to kind of sum up kind of in my own words and tell it to you again but if you listen to them you've kind of already got the answers, okay? So the first question, what if I never find my calling? If you think about calling versus assignment, I think a lot of us view our calling as some kind of cosmic hide-and-seek game. If you are the who, the what doesn't matter, which is super disappointing because I want God to write some book that's like Elizabeth Eubanks, chapter 2021, verse... All right. We're June. You know, like I want to be able to go and figure that out. And like, this is what I'm supposed to do today. And what God has done in scripture is said, this is who you're supposed to be over your lifetime. And so that I think if we can think about calling not as cosmic hide and seek, God's not trying to hide the ball. Okay, so if you are pursuing what you love and you are not doing the things that Carol's talked about, contradicting scripture, going against what God has said, or like Callie said, trying to hide, or living in shame, making decisions that are obviously contrary to what he has called Christ followers to do in scripture, then you're good. All right? Which can be very unnerving. That being said, as long as you're pursuing Jesus, you can't miss it. Okay? Okay. I am currently in this like really weird limbo job situation. I'm employed at a university in Georgia and commuting, but now I'm on summer break. Like it's really weird and I don't love it, but it's where I am. And I am becoming more like Jesus in the process and I'm learning a lot and this is a season and that's okay. And I think a lot of times we think, I need chapter and verse for June June 10th, that's tomorrow. I need to know what I'm doing June 10th. And I need it to be grand. When my next right thing tomorrow is gonna be waking up and getting my daughter ready to go to the Mother's Day out. And that's not glamorous. And that's not something that I think, oh wow, God has called me to do this and I'm gonna get like jewels in the crown. All right, but it's faithfulness and it's cultivating in me yeah. a responsibility and a graciousness that can then be used okay so that is answer to question number one of all right what is my calling or i don't have any idea what it is god's calling you to become more like him and check your expectations for that may not be i'm called to be a second grade teacher that may be i'm called to be a gracious mother or i'm called to be a diligent student And those things, that's not I'm called to be a certain major or I'm called to be a certain profession. That's, like, just who you are, okay? Which is not concrete, and that's hard. And then, are there consequences if I don't pursue my calling? All right, I'm not going to answer this, like, super in a lot of depth. If you want to look at somebody who kind of went the wrong way and, like, calling or assignment, however we want to phrase it, didn't really do that. There's a book of the Bible in the Old Testament. It's Jonah. All right. And he was like, God said, you should do this. And he said, yeah, no, thanks. There were consequences. The consequences were not because he wasn't doing his calling. The consequences were because he was disobeying God. Mm -hmm. And so I think that there aren't necessarily consequences to okay i'm going to pursue this or we're going to move to this neighborhood or i'm going to marry this guy all of those things okay yes there are consequences like you marry this guy you're stuck with that guy forever all right that's kind of how it works all right there there are consequences however there are problems when you are being disobedient that's where you run into difficulties consequences aren't necessarily bad all right the consequence of living with my husband for the rest of my life very good thing all right where we get the negative connotations is when we're disobedient, okay? And then that's when, not that we're doing the wrong thing, it's because we're not becoming like Jesus. And Mm -hmm. so I think that's kind of how those questions connect in summing it all up. Mm -hmm. God is working on who you are, not what you do. What you do is kind of, you get to make that decision. And so there's a lot of freedom and a lot of scary in that, but it's a really cool position when you get to that and you're like, it's okay. Regardless of what I do, that's fine. It's who I
0: become that is more important. Hmm. I told you Liz doesn't play. Didn't I tell you? I told you. So here's what I know I know we started. My hope is that you are leaving better than when you came in. People ask me, what's your biggest fear right now? I said, I'm afraid we are going to overpromise and underdeliver and that women are going to show up and they are not going to be any different. I want you to be better for having been here. I want this community to be something that changes our city, but more than anything, I want it to change you. Here's what I want you to try. Every morning, three mornings, let's make it a goal. I want you to get on your knees at the feet of Jesus. I don't care where you do it at. I do it in the middle of my living room. I want you to get on your knees and I want you to pray and I want you to surrender whatever it is that is hanging over you. Because you've been thinking about something this whole time you've been in here. I want you to write it down. I want you to put it in your notes app. This is step one. And I want you to lay it at the feet of Jesus on your knees in submission, in humility, at his feet and see what he can do with it.